Before we get into this episode, I would like to make a quick disclaimer that all of Society Inspired's interviews and the information we share are 100% for learning experience and to hear the different sides of the various issues we discuss. We never endorse nor support violence and we are committed to promoting peace. I want to create a safe space for learning and comfortable place for people to be able to start to speak. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 22nd episode of Society Inspired. My name is Gemma. I am a 16-year-old Palestinian-American teen. I'm so excited to have Arissa Roy as our special guest for episode number 22. Would you like to introduce yourself, tell us your story, and also share your preferred pronouns, please? Yeah, for sure. So hi, everyone. First of all, Gemma, thank you so much for having me on Society Inspired. I am so grateful to the internet that we were able to connect. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for those of you who don't know me, my name is Arissa Roy. I use she, her pronouns, and I am from Toronto, Canada. I would say, just to summarize kind of what I do and my passions, I'm a youth activist, specifically working um, to advocate for more um, access to education and quality education globally. And I'm the founder of an international youth organization called Project Power Global, um, as well as I am a children's book author and recently filmed a documentary, which is coming out in a few months. So I'm really excited oh. about that. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I'm just really passionate about making a difference in the world and empowering other young people to, to do the same. Awesome. Yes, we'll get into all of that. Um, as you said, you're the first youth activist I've interviewed on the podcast, which is very exciting. Uh, what inspired you to start your advocacy journey for redefining education? Yeah, so my story started back in 2017 when I went on my very first trip to India. So my family is from there. Um, I have a lot of relatives still living in India or across the country. and I, because I've grown up in Canada, I was quite sheltered to a lot of the um, different issues happening outside of my country of Canada and, and just like didn't really understand the inequalities that uh, are definitely more prevalent um, in some of the global South countries that we see. Yeah. And I went to India when I was just like 12 and I... I guess I was quite shocked by the difference in society between, you know, the one I live here in and the one that's over there. Not to say that there aren't issues, um, you know, across Canada. There certainly are many. Yeah. yeah. But I think going there, you see it maybe more um, right in front of you than you might hear, especially in the area I live in. So yeah, I was very shocked, very confused, and I guess just very heartbroken to see that there are youth who, you know, look like me, are the same age as me, um, speak the same language as my family does, and yet aren't being denied these basic human rights and, and you know, opportunities. And so after that trip, I came home and I was like, I want to do something about this because yeah. I kept thinking like, why them and why not me? Like, why did I get lucky? Why did, like, you know, it's all that, yeah. those, those questions in my head. And um, yeah, after that, I decided I wanted to start a charity. So I came home 
I pulled out this notebook that I literally wrote in like I just put everything in that yeah. one notebook they'll have it uh, and I was like my charity idea and I just like 12 year old girls like jotting down all these things and um after that I even though I had like a plan and a and a goal set and the passion I struggled with a lot of like confidence issues mm-hmm. and I was like I mean, I'm sure you can relate and I'm sure a a lot of other young people can relate. It can be scary to start something um, new and something that might not be the status quo in a way for for people. So yeah, I decided to just not do it then. And uh, honestly, my best piece of advice for anyone who is a young person, if you have an idea, just do it, just start, you know, you never know how far it's going to take you. But it wasn't till 2020 when I, you know, we were all living in the COVID pandemic um, that I realized just how connected the world is and how important it is to give back. And I was inspired by all the frontline healthcare workers that were literally risking their own lives to support and to help heal others who might not even have any relation to them. So I decided to pull out that notebook and I started the charity and and now I'm here and, and it's been a wild, wild adventure for sure. Yeah. No, I, I completely relate to that. It took it took me sitting on this for eight months to um put it out. And I think what made me because I released this June 2021 and I think I got the idea that I wanted to start something like this in December 2020 yeah um and for me it was just listening to a podcast and I just heard somebody say like put it out there and then keep working on it like you don't have to have everything figured out right away which is kind of like I was on the treadmill and I just got off the treadmill and I went back home I was like mom like I'm gonna I'm gonna do it now so I definitely understand the sitting on it and how yeah how scary it can be yeah yeah for sure just have to have that moment where you're like okay I'm ready now or yeah sign I don't know I love that yeah uh you have mentioned that you created an organization called Project Power Global can you tell us more about your organization and how it fights poverty through education yeah for sure so my org, I'd say the best way to describe it is we work on three key areas. One, community awareness. So we do this through um, social media and other mm. like running events and certain initiatives to make people more aware of the current global education crises that our world is facing. Okay. Um, we also work on grassroots levels. So we do on the groundwork, um, some key projects that uh have been very successful and I think the most influential in our um, three years of of running now have been our pen pal program which was an initiative to kind of bring a lot of the experiences I went through when I went to India for the first time to more youth and to educate more young people about what's beyond their own society Um, And so, yeah, basically the way the program ran is we connected students in Northern India to a school in Edmonton where they went through the same five-week program, which educated them about five separate global issues from climate change to 
period poverty and mental health awareness. And they were paired with another student from the opposite school. And they had the chance to discuss what they were learning, to hear the other person's perspective from around the world and come up with solutions to uh, bring about change for these issues within their own community. And they did that with the support of the other student and having a new perspective. So that was really cool. And some other things that we've done uh, this year, we ran our grief initiative, which was a partnership between an organization called Unsinkable and uh, us. And essentially it was kind of a, a, um, a means for us to address all the struggles that young people went through throughout the pandemic and help prepare them and give them enough tools and education to move forward um, with their lives and and with their passions and everything they want to do. With that project, we were able to reach more than 10,000 people. So that was really exciting. Um, And then I'd say the third pillar that we have at Project Power Global is um, policy and policy advocacy. So Uh, Over the last kind of year and a half, I'd say, uh, we have been able to work in some higher level government spaces. Uh, I was able to represent our team at the United Nations Transforming Education Summit, which was, yeah, which was a really cool opportunity to um, let, you know, the voices of our team and the young people we've worked with be heard by higher level global leaders. Um, and we kind of served as like youth advisors to the work being done mm-hmm. um, more broadly by the UN and member states. Okay. So that's been cool. And then just, you know, we've done some work with um, UN women and um, uh, UN um, refugees and things like that. So, yeah. Awesome. Wow. Wow. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> and you've already mentioned, but you wrote a picture book called Rocks to Ripples, which has an inspiring lesson that anyone has the power to create change. Uh, Could you tell us more about why you wrote the book and the impact you hope that this picture book has on kids or anybody? Yeah, so when I, so it was my 15th birthday, my, I'm 17 now for context. (laughs) Uh, my grandmother, or in our culture, we say Nanima, um, or Nani for short, I guess, uh, passed away on my birthday. Um, and that was a really hard moment for me um, in a time where uh, my family, I mean, went through a lot of grief and, and things like that. And something that I decided I wanted to do was create a way for her, like, key messages and kind of what she always used to tell me to like live on even past um, her time here. And so I decided to write a book that was dedicated to her um, that kind of highlighted one of the messages she taught me, which is that we can all like create ripples of change in the world. Mm-hmm. And the it's kind of like um, basically the concept is you know when you go to like a lake or like the ocean or something I mean you're yeah. in public, but like you're right there um, <laughs> but, um you can like throw a rock in the water and like it creates like these ripples right yes and sometimes you never really know how far those ripples will go and it just sometimes it keeps going and going and yeah. going and going and you can't even keep track of it anymore and 
that's how I really see like kindness and making a difference because I really think every action you take can create like a cascading effect. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know, like sometimes, so with this book, I've been able to go and present at schools and, and do kind of workshops with young people, especially in my city of Toronto. And something that I, you know, get them to think about is, let's say there's someone who, I don't know, needs help with their homework and yeah. it's a friend and you decide to help them. Like you never, and and they're happy and, and you support them and they're feeling less stressed. Well, maybe now they're going to be nicer to their mom or, and then the mom's going to do this and like, yeah, it, yeah. It just keep going, you know? So absolutely. Anyway, that's the idea of the book. And uh, yeah, it's available on Amazon um, globally. If anyone is interested in getting I, that will be linked below, of course. <laughs> you have received the Diana Award for your work. What what was that experience like for you? <laughs> yeah. Um, so receiving the Diana Award was a huge moment. Uh, I remember I was actually at like a youth summit that week that I got notified that I received mm-hmm. it. And I remember like opening the email and I I was shocked because I know how selective like that process is and um, it was a very crazy moment and I just remember stepping out and like calling my mom and I was like mom this happened and um, you know it it was it was great and I think one thing that I'm um, most excited about this award and and I guess brings me the most gratitude is how much um, I think more impact I'll be able to make because as you know someone who works in like the social uh, innovation space and um, kind of works in this area it adds a lot of credibility to you so I think with this it'll open up a lot more doors for our org and with me with me everything I do is about impact so yeah it's really cool to be a recipient of the award but the question I'm trying to actively ask myself and I encourage and have talked to other Diana Award recipients as well um, that we should be asking ourselves is like, okay, what's next? How do we create awesome. even more change? Yes. Yes. Um, with with this next question, we kind of uh, touched on this earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my main thing, especially with having you, because I think, I don't know, it's been difficult for me to find youth activists to interview. Yeah. It's more of like a social media thing. And so I'm very happy to have you on here. Um, But with this next question being as a youth activist, it can be intimidating to speak your voice since we are deemed to not know what we are talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have more advice to help youth activists gain the courage to use their voices yeah yeah for sure I think the biggest thing you can do is remember that you have a story you have a voice and it's different from everyone else's and that in itself is the reason why I think everyone deserves to have a seat at the table and a voice in the the movements that you're part of yes Uh, throughout my work I've also been a member of the Fridays for Future movement which works on climate um, justice which is founded by uh, Greta Thunberg um, which I'm sure many people know who that is 
And, you know, we've done a lot of local things within Canada uh, to raise awareness about the climate crisis. And a lot of the times, like, you'll hear people saying, like, what do you know? Like, oh, you're just you're just a kid. You're just in high school. Like, first of all, why are you even worried about this is what people have said to me in the past. Yeah. And um, I think you really in those moments, you really have to know that the future is is all of ours. Like as young people, we are responsible for the for the world, you know, in the future. And I think when you realize that you feel you have more of a say in a way. So keep going. Um, don't don't really take no for an answer. Like, for example, the work that we've been doing with the UN through my organization, it didn't just come to us. Like I had to reach out. I spent hours and hours messaging people, connecting with people on LinkedIn, looking on Instagram, like trying to find other activists in the spaces. Like they, like the UN didn't just like send us an email and be like, oh, we'd like to invite you. Like I had to, we had not just myself, but like our team, we had to voice why we deserve to be there. And sometimes you're not always going to be given a seat. Sometimes you have to build your own chair, right? Like that's yeah, the thing. Sure. So, so yeah, that's my advice. Yeah. And like adding on to that, I, I agree because mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like our generation is very different in if we see something for well, most of our generation, if we see something we yeah. want we want to change it, you know, yeah. especially yeah. looking at how our world is now and mm-hmm. how o- more open-minded our generation is compared to yeah. older generations. Like yeah. we want to be able to live comfortably in a world that accepts us. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a lot of work to get there and to get all the things that are just basic human rights and things that we deserve. Yeah. Have been yeah. just sure. dragged along for so long. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah. Yeah, don't yeah. don't take no as an answer because the more work that we do like all together and the more that we have courage to speak, the more our world is going to like listen to us basically. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I love that. Um, yeah, I think I'm also so curious to know like what your journey has been um, with with this. And, and I know you kind of shared earlier that you had trouble like those eight months um what what do you think like was the moment you realized you wanted to do something um so I was living in Minnesota um then when I was sort of curating this I think what kind of initiated my idea is that I'm half Palestinian mm-hmm. and the violence there had kind of finally reached like America like America was starting to realize like what was happening yeah and it was like it was a main topic it wasn't like oh this is happening like and we're gonna grow like people were actually like I was hearing about it and people were actually asking me questions and I was like okay okay well people want to know like but then also on the other hand like I'm hearing from adults on the internet like why are you speaking out about this like you know, mm-hmm. you don't live there. You don't understand it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, my family's from there. You know, my dad's from there. Like I hear firsthandedly like, okay, so let's do something. Let's, you know, kind of reverse this idea that, you know, you have to know everything to be able to like learn or speak yeah. or 
So I wanted to just make a safe space where people could, you know, maybe ask questions and, you know, not be uncomfortable to like want to learn and not be scared to. Because I yeah. think it's another thing that with our generation, like we're scared to ask questions in case, you know, the conversation becomes uncomfortable. Like we need to have those uncomfortable conversations to mm-hmm. move forward. Yeah. Um, so it was that that kind of inspired me to start. I sat on the idea for a while. And in the beginning, I, I up until this year, it's been really difficult to find people that um are willing to be interviewed I've been stood up a lot like I'll be like okay like see you soon and they'll be like yeah and then they'll never show up oh my gosh and part of me wonders if it's like I'm a kid I maybe they think I maybe don't take this seriously so you know why why waste your time I understand that but another part of it is the older generation realizing that we are serious and we want our world to be better for our futures. So, but this year I feel like I've created um, a bit of a community and I feel like the people I've interviewed, I've been kind of like, okay, like, are there people you like to watch or listen to? And I'm just been kind of, that's how I've probably found the past three people. So yeah, everybody's been so like willing to talk and that's exactly what, I want this space to be so yeah I'm happy with where it's going but it's definitely (laughs) been it's definitely been a difficult journey there's been probably maybe five months where I didn't upload an episode because I was just struggling so much to pull it all together with like reaching out to 10 people at once and either not getting a response or being left on red or so it does does take a lot of work but um yeah you know it's worth it yeah well thank you for sharing that and I want to want you to know that like you're not alone that's happened to me like more times than people (laughs) probably know that anyone can understand and like you're doing a great job thank you so yeah and I'm I, I mean this space is amazing like I I was like immediately yes like I was looking at so happy to hear that I know I know it's small but it just all that matters is that people are maybe learning something or feel comfortable and yeah you know excited to learn because I think you know avoiding what's happening in our world is never going to help us no it's not and that was another reason I wanted to have you on because you've done so much and so it shows that it doesn't matter what your age is yeah okay that was that was a lot of words I've never spoken <laughs> so much in an episode um okay uh what are the next steps we need to take to make the school environment a positive and inclusive space for all yeah so when I think about this question uh it reminds me of when I was at the UN, I was able to make like an intervention, which is like kind of a mini speech, but not really. Um, And it was like, one minute max. And I talked about this, I guess, idea, or not even an idea, because I think it's a reality for many of us, but this, like, environment that our education system, especially in North America, has become where, and I'm curious to know if you can relate, but 
I feel many of our classes and the way that our teachers navigate sometimes makes us feel like the only path to success is like memorizing something and then like spitting it out on a test, you know? And I think to really make education more inclusive, more successful and more sustainable, we have to incorporate more forms of learning, more opportunities, more hands-on opportunities, and really bring in conversations about the world, about the issues that our generation is going to have to deal with to the classrooms. Because yeah. like you said, avoiding issues are is not going to help yeah. anyone, you know? Like, yeah. I really think that, for example, social and emotional learning and education is as critical and important as learning math like that's my own personal belief Mm -hmm. because you know the way you present yourself to the world it does make a difference like how you speak to people how you interact um you know the, the emotions that you you hold and you carry when you're in a conversation like it does show and so yeah like that's that's what I think needs to be more improved and the way that I think a lot of leaders can do this is by looking at countries who have already incorporated many of these things. I think it's Denmark that has one of the strongest education systems in the world. But um, there was like this this documentary I watched, I can't remember now what it's called, but basically it said, and it was showing how students in Denmark go to classes for like half the time as people in America. and yet they perform like way higher on like all the standardized testing. They also have like no homework. They have longer lunches, like more breaks and they're Mm -hmm. performing better. And so like, I think what we need to start realizing now is that like memorization and like like studying hard, like, yes, it's important and it can help, but so is taking breaks so is outdoor learning so is like all these other things as well so yeah that's from a north american context how i think education um, we're not even just north american but in many places around the world yeah, but um, yeah yeah you know what i mean um but then when we talk about uh some some of the places that we've worked with uh worked in with our organization like india nepal um pakistan places like that um, not to say that the education system is not super strong there, like it, it, it's good, but there can be improvements. And I think with the high ratio of students who are not even attending school, like the bare minimum, um, things that need to change there is like also um, societal norms, especially yeah. around like women and girls going to school, obtaining an education. Yeah. We also see like lack of resourcing for especially like girls who are on their period, for example, like they're not going to school if they're on their period because they don't have the products to support them being outside of home with with their period. So, yeah, those places, sometimes you need to look at more of the like logistical issues that are prevalent for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. And I feel like having those changes would even make the school social social space yeah. better. It'd make it yeah. a more friendly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm homeschooled, so I can take 
all the breaks that I need during the day. And I can tell you that school has never felt better because I'm like able to have a second and be like, okay, let's move on. So yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, are there any resources other than your organization, which will be linked below, you would like my followers and I to read, watch, listen to? Yeah, I think there are a lot of really amazing TED Talks that I watched when I first started my org, kind of about global education that I will definitely share with you. I think checking out um, the Transforming Education Summit uh, declaration that was produced, which is kind of a document that highlighted the discussions that happened in September 2022, which was um, the last major assembly of leaders who work on education and education policy. Um, And during that time, we were able to develop a document which is like outlines the plan from now until 2030, which is the goal that the United Nations set for you know all students to be in school so I would check that out and if you are interested in working in this space it's really important to know what's going on with those policies um and then yeah if anyone is interested in working at my org we are fully youth-led um and always have opportunities to contribute uh to join and even just you know if you want to follow along and support our causes that that would be great um and yeah I I mean that's that's all I can think of right now but there might be more after awesome and then what is your social media so yeah um forgot what I normally say my followers can find you after the episode (laughs) follow what you do all the yes (laughs) yeah so my main social media I'd say I use most frequently is Instagram so you can find me on there it's at arissa a-r-i-s-s-a underscore Roy ROY so that's me and then for my other platforms if you look up my name Arissa Roy you should be able to find me there too awesome okay well thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview make sure you follow Arissa on all social media platforms and check out Project Power Global and make sure to follow our other social media platforms as well so you don't miss out on more interviews and important information. I hope you guys enjoyed the 22nd episode of Society Inspired and we will see you guys next time. Bye.